Well, good morning to everybody here. Thank you so much for coming to Resurrection City this morning. Uh, special welcome to you if you're visiting. We're really excited to have you uh, be here. And I want to take a second to just especially welcome uh, any visiting fathers or any of our regular fathers that are here uh, at Res City. Um, this, this day is, is Father's Day, in case you, you weren't aware of that. And this is obviously uh, a very uh, important day, just like Mother's Day is. We celebrated that a few weeks ago, and we're celebrating Father's Day uh, today. And, and one of the things I think about Father's Day, maybe why... Uh, you know, we, we can tend to not view it as as big a thing is like there are some, I think, pitfalls of being a dad sometimes. Um, I think there's this like assumption a lot of times that dads are just uh, trying to make sure that the kids survive when mom's not around or uh, that, um, that the dads aren't uh, working as hard as moms or they're not as capable of taking care of, of, their, uh, of the children as the moms are. And, 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 and all that matters as a, as, a, as a father is to just make sure that there's enough money coming into the house that the mom can uh, spend it for the kids or something like that, right? And, and that's, not, that's not true. Fathers are, are really, really important. And there's a reason that we celebrate them uh, on this day every year. And... Um, Biblically as well, we actually did a sermon uh, through, uh, f- uh, through parenting a few weeks ago, and that specifically talked about fathers in it. And so, biblically, the role of the father is incredibly important. And, and for every adult that admires, you know, you, you can see the impact either way, right? For every uh, adult that admires uh, their, their father, right, and, and seeks to emulate them and, and wants to, you know, live like their father did, you, you have the opposite too, right? You have the impact of a poor father, you know, really, really uh, making a difference in someone's life if that doesn't go well, right? So, so either way, fatherhood is really important, whether it's done well or it's done poorly, um, I remember a few years back, I was at a, a talk that, that a guy named John Turnipseed, he, he runs, he's the executive vice president of Urban Ventures, which is like a faith-based um, uh, uh, nonprofit here in the Twin Cities that's aiming to uh, fight poverty here in the Twin Cities. And he, t- he was talking about his life story and how uh, growing up in Alabama, um, his father was not around, and he just said, Man, it was like when my dad wasn't around, it was like the roof of the house was gone and anything could just come in and mess with us and that's what happened to him. And that's a big part of his story, but he attributed a lot of that to uh, the lack of not having a father around. And so just you see the importance that fatherhood is and there, there's a reason um, that, that we celebrate that. Right, and so today we do want to celebrate fathers, um, and I know that like we have some great fathers here at the church. I know I see you you raising your kids, and I see the intentionality that you have in in, in trying to raise up your kids. Uh, I also know that we have uh, some visiting fathers here today, fathers of of, ch- of adults here at the church, and like just seeing how your kids have turned out, like. You know, I know that you guys are great fathers. So we want to say thank you to you. And so if you are a dad, after the service today, we'll be handing out uh, some uh, dad's root beer to you as you go. So that'll be in the, is that in the back of the church, right? Okay, so yeah, if you're a dad, you want to grab some root beer, head to the back of the church after the service and, and grab a root beer uh, to celebrate you. Find someone in, uh, in a Res City shirt, um, one of the welcome people. So anyway, all right, so... Uh, we are in uh, the Psalms for a few weeks here. It's kind of a bit of a transitionary uh, sermon series, but we like to kind of throw these in every once in a while to just spend time in the Psalms because the Psalms are an incredibly important book. And, and today we're going to be talking about the effects of living 
out the law or the teaching of God. Of which, you know, just to kind of go back to the last point, fathering is one of the big uh, important things in the Bible, right? Living out the law of God in, 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 includes uh, how we live as fathers. So we're going to be talking a little bit about, uh, about that today uh, in Psalm 1. Now last week Julie uh, talked through Psalm 42. Next week we'll be in Psalm 75 and then we'll kind of move into another sermon series after that. But for, for now we're, we're, we're hanging out in the Psalms. Um, today, like I said, is Psalms 1, and this is, like, unsurprisingly, an intro to the Psalms. You can kind of read Psalms 1 as kind of setting up the rest of the Psalms. Um, and, and it kind of functions in a way that, that sets up the teaching of the book as a whole. We'll talk a little bit about that as we go, but it urges us to live according to, like, the teaching of the book of Psalms. All right? Um, and, and, and the Psalms, like, you know, the book sets itself up that way, right? But I think, like, for, for, for those of you who have spent a lot of time in the Psalms, um, you, you can see, you know, through experience, and this is true of, like, of, of non-Christians or, or, or non-believers as well. Like, they, you can, there's just something about the Psalms that when you read them, you, you know, there, there's a way in which you kind of see uh, how this uh, just sings to your soul. It speaks to you, right? It, it has wisdom to it. Um, and so there, there, there's a reason why this psalm is setting it up that way, okay? So we're going to spend some time talking a little bit about that today. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open it up to, to Psalms 1-1. We're going to be kicking off the whole book here. All right, I'll, I'll get started here. Psalm 1-1. I just have a little bit of it here, you see. But blessed is the one. Because I want to stop here and actually just func- uh, uh, focus in on this word right here. So the word that is used here is the Hebrew word ashrei which is, is translated uh, here in the NIV as blessed, right? Blessed is the one. But you can also translate it as happiness. So happy is the one. Um, and so this psalm is going to be kind of setting up uh, the vision of what, where happiness comes from for the book of Psalms. Now, that's like, that's a, that's a big deal, right? Because we live in a culture that is really, like, thinks happiness is super important, right? We have it in our constitution, right? It's one of our fundamental rights as human beings is the ability to pursue our happiness, right? And, and so many of us are, like, pursuing happiness. We're looking for the way in which uh, we can find happiness in the world. This is like a driving uh, motivation for so many people that you'll meet in this culture, um, just finding, finding happiness, finding the way to be happy, to be joyful, to be blessed. That's a word we use now even too, right? This is a big, a big deal for us. And so we get sold all of these things that kind of uh, tell us this thing will make you happy, right? Jobs, we're supposed to, you know, we're supposed to find a job that makes us totally happy and that fulfills us, right? We're supposed to find happiness in romantic partners or at least, at least sex maybe, right? Like we want to find happiness in those things. So we, we, we tend to look in those areas as well. At cars and houses are things that we look to for happiness. Um, I think experiences is a really big thing that people look for today to give them happiness, right? Whether it's through traveling or, or whether it's through just local experiences, right? We want to find experiences because we think that those will, will make us happy. Even food, right? Food makes us happy. And not in like a gluttonous way, but like we live in a foodie culture here, right? Where like a new restaurant is popping up every, every other day here that's got some new great burger or fusion or whatever it is, right? We live in like a real cultural hotbed, I think, of that where food, food brings a lot of people happiness, right? Um, and, and going out and getting the experiences at these good restaurants is like a big, big way we find happiness, right? So the psalm wants to talk to us about happiness, Okay? Now, not surprisingly, the Psalms does not talk about how 
you know, trendy food places bring you happiness. Maybe aren't that surprised to hear that, okay? It's going to set up, though, like, like and, and, and don't get me wrong, those things are all awesome and do bring happiness, but not the type of, like, deep, satisfying happiness or joy that this psalm sets up, okay? So we're, we're going to talk a little bit about what this psalm has to say about how uh, we find happiness, and that's what it's setting up here for us by using this word, ashray. All right, let me read the rest of this verse here. So blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. So he's saying the one who is blessed or happy does not walk a certain way. So it's kind of a negative, a negative, you don't do this thing. There will be a positive, like this is what the ha- people who are happy do coming up here. But I do want to spend a little time about talking about this negative one because maybe we like, we read this and we like cringe a little bit at it, right? The words uh, wicked or the word sinners are like words that we just are not huge fans of in the society here, right? And I think it's, it's important to kind of note um, like what, what is being talked about here. So like the, the walking and step with, this is like a common Jewish way of talking about like lifestyle. We, we actually, if you remember in our time in Ephesians, Paul actually uses the same, uh, the same idea, walking in a certain way to explain like the path we take, the lifestyle that we live, the worldview we ascribe to. It kind of is talked about, and this is a very biblical thing, like a way that we are walking, okay? So walking in step with the wicked or, or sitting in the way that sinners take, this is kind of what the psalm is talking about. Living a certain way will not lead to happiness, is what this is saying. Now, maybe we're a little uncomfortable with this because like, we're a society that really values uh, freedom. Like, we, we actually think the thing that's going to bring us happiness is the absence of, of living a certain way, right? The absence of some sort of external standard uh, to give us happiness, right? And so I think there's maybe even like a, an impulse within culture that would say, um, listen, if if uh, being free is considered wicked by some, but it brings me happiness, I actually think I would prefer to live that way. Right? I think I would prefer uh, to find uh, happiness. If this thing makes me happy, even if some people think it's wicked, I'm actually okay with that because the greater good for us is freedom. Um, there's a song that I, I listened to recently um, by the artist Grandson. I, I don't know, he's kind of an alternative rock guy, but... Um, He's, it's called Apologize, and the song kind of goes like, he's talking about a lot of the things that he's done in his life, and some of these things have hurt people, right? And he's kind of aware of that, right? But he's not going to apologize for any of those things, because the thing that matters for him uh, is being free. It's being on the road is what he talks about, right? And he goes like, I know I've done a lot of wrong that I can't make right. I've never been a perfect soul, but I won't apologize. What matters for me is being free. He even, he even brings up an example where one night he's with a girl who tells uh, her that she loves him, and he sneaks away in the middle of the night to get away because he's like, listen, freedom is better than that. I'm, I'm sorry, but I, I need to be free. That's a better thing, right? And, and for him, and I think for a lot of us, that can't be wrong because freedom is like the thing that we're chasing. We think that will give us uh, true happiness. And, and, and it's like a higher good than being committed to something else or being responsible for something else. That's what's going to bring us true happiness. So, so, if that makes us, I think if a lot of people would say that makes me wicked, I'm actually okay with that, right? If that, then that's an old way of looking at things. But freedom is what we should have here. Now, the ironic thing about that is living like totally free actually makes you a slave to your desires. Like that's the, you are still in slavery. You are still uh, responsible to something. But it's, now it's just your desires, which change every 
you know, every so often, if not more often than that, right? Like, our desires are constantly changing about what we want. And a lot of times, we don't even know what our desires are deep down, right? So living in that way is not actually bring a lot of people happiness. But that's kind of what we, what we think, right? And, 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 um, and, like, living in that way doesn't actually free us up to do the thing uh, that we've been created to do by God, which is to love, so we're going to talk a little bit more about as, as we move forward what that looks like. But that's kind of the contrast that's being set up, right? The psalm is saying we're going to, we want to limit our freedom a little bit, but that will lead us to true happiness. Walking along a certain path is going to lead us to true happiness, okay? So that's, that's the, let's get to the other part of the contrast here, the positive aspect of what brings happiness according to the psalm. But those who delight, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which, we, which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Now, whose delight is in the law of the Lord? This is the one who is blessed or happy, according to the psalm. Now, the word law there is, is a, it's the, the Hebrew word Torah, right? That we, that we get the word the Torah from that, if that's a Hebrew word that you've heard before, it's used to describe kind of the Old Testament law. But it's actually kind of a generic word. It just means, it can be used in a lot of different settings, and it can be translated teaching, it can be translated like instruction as well, but it's kind of like, it gets applied a lot of times to like the actual law that's in uh, the first five books of the Bible. Right, so the books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are often called, in the Hebrew scriptures, the Torah. Um, and this is like the law that the country of Israel is supposed to live by. Now, if you actually read through it, there's a lot of it that is law, but there's plenty that's also narrative, too. There's a lot of uh, talking about the, the patriarchs and the people who kind of have uh, put Israel in the course uh, that it's going. And it talks a lot about God as well. Um, and so that's like, the, that's the Torah. So there's plenty in there that's not law. Um, and, and, it, and, it, and it is, is something I think that we should like read a little bit more uh, expansive than just like, here's a set of bullet points that I'm supposed to like conform to. Because that's not what's really going on here. And, it, and there's, some, there's some scholars that have talked about how, listen, in the book of Psalms here, to set this up at the very beginning of the book, right, um, is to kind of say that the, th- this is like a new law, or this is, like a, this is how we live out the law of God. And we find it in the Psalms, because the Psalms is not, it's not a law, right? It's a bunch of uh, stories, really, or a bunch of praises or prayers from people um, relating to God, right? That are, that are people that are trying to live out God's law, and we see what that looks like for them. So, so walking in this way in the Psalms is to, kind of, is to kind of live out the law of God. But this is what it looks like in the Psalms. And even you see the Psalms are actually broken into five books. If you've ever read your Bible, you've noticed that like, that there are five different books that the, that the Psalms are broken into, a lot of scholars think that's intentional because the, the Pentateuch or the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, is also five books, right? So there's a kind of a correlation here that the, that the author of the Psalm is setting up, okay? So there's like this new law that we follow. So we're planting ourselves um, into, this, into this law, this teaching of the Psalms will bring us uh, happiness, now, also note that this is not saying that, it's, that what it looks like is to just hit a bunch of bullet points or check marks about uh, how I'm supposed to live, right? The law is like, if I just uh, don't break any of these rules, then that means I'm going to be happy. That's actually not the goal here at all, if you read it. The goal is actually about us uh, 
growing and flourishing. It's not magic. It's not where we do the right combo and then we can expect blessings to rain down on us. Right? It's not God gifts us because of our ability to follow these laws. It's not us thinking we can put God in our debt and he owes us because we followed this law very, very closely. What it looks like is bearing fruit. That's actually what it looks like. It's our growing and flourishing, which leads to something in our life that you can see or you can measure. Right? It's about, about growing fruit. The key to happiness is, is, is a walking in a certain way that causes us to become certain types of people that bear fruit. That's what the psalm is saying here. Right? And, the, and, and, and meditating on the law of God means being a, being a part of like a kind of creative new explosion of fruit that, 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 that grows out of us. That's what the psalm is talking about here. Okay? The, laws, the law is not like a is not like a, a set of rules that we just follow, right, as best as we can. It's talked about like as a stream of water, right, an ever-flowing uh, stream of water. And it kind of gives you the sense that like the law is actually just God himself, like connection to God himself. That's what it means to follow the law of God. And this is, this is the way to connect with God. That's kind of how the, the picture looks here. Um, and so to follow the law is to be in communion with God himself. And this results in like an ever-expanding grace uh, pouring into and then out of us in the form of fruit. That's what is being set up here for us. So let's just look at the authors of, of the Psalms. Like, look, like just if you have some familiar, familiarity with the Psalms, just think through a lot of them, right? What are they doing? It's just people that are basically uh, praying to God, right? And they're crying out to God. They're, they're putting their, their hurts, their frustrations uh, to him. Um, they're singing praises to him when they see their faith rewarded. Um, they long for his presence when he's far from them. Um, and, there, and there's a bunch of psalms that are about awaiting for this action of God to come. Right? They're waiting for God to move and to act in a certain way that will rescue not just them, but all of Israel from the, the situations that they're in. That kind of sums up what, what basically is going on in the Psalms. And so the teaching of the Psalms is to turn back to God, right? Because he's this renewable energy source that again and again is producing fruit in our lives. That's the picture that's being created here. Now, Maybe there's a couple of questions that arise, that crop up from this, especially as we bring up the concept of law, right? The concept of, of following God's commands, because this is kind of a, a bit of a minefield maybe, right? Maybe your question is, what if I've been hurt by someone who's been enforcing God's law? Because that for sure happens, right? People are hurt at times because someone is in, trying to enforce this, this law on them, right? People get hurt in those situations. You, maybe that's you, or maybe you know someone else who's, who's been on the receiving end of that, and just... A couple, a couple things to say about that, right? First of all, there's two agents in that situation, right? There's God, but then there's also the, the other people that are, or the group trying to enforce this law, right? Just because people have been hurt by the enforcement of God's law or people calling people to follow God's commands doesn't mean that's the law's fault, right? It could be those people's fault as well, right? So that's something to think about. Um, and, and maybe... Maybe there's not a, a goal of producing fruit from those people, right? Maybe there is a goal of, of conformity or goal of, of you need to get in line and follow this law. That could for sure be in play, and that could be the reason that people have been hurt by trying to follow God's law, okay? Maybe a couple other questions. What if I don't understand the teaching? What if I, um, what if I, what does my reason and experience play in, right? How do my feelings play into this, right? I want to follow something that I, that I understand or that I feel strongly about, right? 
couple of couple of responses to that, okay? First of all, a tree doesn't have to understand why it needs to be planted next to consistent water sources for it to produce fruit, right? Like, a tree, if, as long as a tree is right there, I'm assume, I assume most trees don't understand how they grow, right? I'm assuming most trees don't understand anything, but... Right? The same is true for us, right? Planting ourselves in that, in that, in, next to that stream of water will produce that fruit regardless from us, even if we don't quite understand it. And that happens a lot of times, I think. Right? The second thing, we have to be willing to posture ourselves towards God instead of expecting God to just come to us. I think that's an important realization too, right? If we don't understand something, I think it's good for us to, to, to reflect on the fact that maybe uh, we need to try to understand God more instead of making God come to us. And, and, and we, we kind of demand from him that he uh, explains himself to us, right? And third, and I think this is most importantly, if you're questioning something about God's law, something about his commands, something in the Bible that you just don't understand, you don't get, the Psalms is actually the perfect place for you to be because this is a book that has a bunch of people that don't understand their situations. They don't understand what God is doing or why he's not doing something and they're crying out to him um, and a lot of these people are like in dark places, right? And you can feel that as you read through the Psalms, right? Some of them are probably like clinically depressed. Like I think we would, if we were able to diagnose them today, we'd say these people are, are depressed right now. Right? And then this, is, this is, I think, why the Psalms resonate us, with us sometimes, because we see people who experience the same things and feel the same things that we do. Right? And we see them go to God and cry out to him, and we understand that, because that's us a lot of times. Right? Now, I think for, for those of us who have been hurt, there's something here for us as well. Right? I think there's a good key insight here that if I could really get across to you, I, I would really love that. Okay? Um, this is from a, a book by, by Mirsaw Wolf. He's a, a theologian who serves at Yale. The, the book's called Exclusion and Embrace. And one of the things that has always struck me from this is what he says about the Psalms. One of the messages of the Psalms is this. Rage belongs before God. Hidden in the dark chambers of our hearts and nourished by the systems of darkness, hate grows and seeks to infest everything with its hellish will to exclusion. In the light of the justice and love of God, however... Hate recedes and the seed of pl- is planted for the miracle of forgiveness. In the presence of God, our rage over injustice may give way to forgiveness, which in turn will make the search for justice for all possible. So what he's saying is, li- listen, if you are angry at God, right, if you don't understand, the, the right way to respond to that is not to turn from God, but it's to actually go to press in further to God. That's the right response. And we see that in the Psalms. We see people going to God with their rage, with their, with their hurt, instead of going away from him. And that's actually one of the most important, I think, insights to the book of Psalms. If you don't understand, or if you have been hurt by God's law, or someone trying to enforce God's commands on your life, and that has led to real hurt for you or for someone else that you know, the answer is not to turn from God. It's to go to God. Right? Even if you don't understand. Because we see people in the Psalms doing this all the time. And the message of this Psalm in particular is that if you go somewhere else, or if you avoid God, that will not lead to the fruit that you want. It just, it just won't. Okay? We need to be planted in these streams in order to produce that fruit. And this next part of the passage talks about what happens when we're not. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. But the way to the, of the wicked leads to destruction. So what he's saying is here is the wicked are, are, are not receiving life because they're, 
choosing to not be planted next to the stream of God and his, his commands, his teachings. Right? And so what, what happens to, to, things that, to, to plants that are not receiving water? They, they, they die off, right? They, they kind of like become like chaff. And the chaff is just this thing that gets cut off of, of, of plants during harvesting. And get, it just kind of gets blown away by the wind. It kind of shrivels up and becomes dead. This is what happens to us when we do cut ourselves out from God ultimately. Right? So, so the big point here is that we can't be in a place, even if we're not understanding, the answer is still to go to God, right? It's still to, 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 to go towards God, even if we don't understand, even if we're hurting, even if we're, we are confused, to go to God is still going to be putting us into, putting our roots deep into, uh, into this, into this uh, constant water source, right? The Psalms are begging you not to turn away from God, even if you're in this place where you're not understanding, Okay? And so we have to do that, and that's what Psalm 1 is telling us. It is so important uh, for us to understand here. Okay? So if that's you today, if you're hurting, if you're confused, if you're, if you're not sure about God or where God's at in my life, um, this psalm is saying, plant yourself deep in the roots of God himself, and let fruit grow. Let, you will see that happen. That's what the psalm is telling you. Do not cut yourself off from God, because that will lead to death. That will lead to, to, to shriveling up, right? Okay? So here's our application for the day. I want to kind of, we kind of always transition to this time where we try to apply the passage that we've been, we've been talking about. And I have two today. The first one is, do you delight in the teaching of Christ? Okay? Now you'll notice I, I, added, I added Christ here. I haven't talked about Jesus yet today. But there's a, a really key import to understand uh, this psalm when you add in Christ. Okay? Because the culmination of this passage is Christ himself. Right? Romans 10.4 is... Is a, is a verse that, you know, just sums it up well, um, that Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. And I'm not going to get into all the ways that Christ fulfills the law because that is, that'd be a, that'd be a long sermon series maybe to cover all those bases, okay? But, but just, just think about the ways in which Christ fulfills even the Psalms itself, okay? The Psalms are, are, are this book that point to God's future action, right? People are awaiting it. You see Psalms where people are waiting for God to act in the future, right? And they've kind of conformed themselves uh, to waiting and expecting God to act. Christ is that act of God that the people in the Psalms are ultimately longing for, right? The Psalms presents this picture of people feeling totally abandoned by God, right? Not understanding where God is at, right? Now, in, in the book of Luke, I think it is... Um, Jesus is on the cross, and he actually quotes one of the Psalms. He quotes Psalm 22, which is a Psalm of David, where he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right? So Christ himself has entered into that feeling of abandonment that that person in the Psalms is talking about. Okay? Christ has felt that as well. Right? But, but his uh, death on the cross, that, that place where he feels abandoned by God, ultimately leads to new life for him and new life for us as well. Right? As he hangs on that cross, he waits for God to act. He's asking why God has abandoned him. As he's there, he actually dies the death that brings life for him and for us as well. Okay? So this is a culmination of the psalm. So if we believe in Christ, if, then we root ourselves, uh, our hurts, our frustrations, our sins, our longings for happiness. We root those in the life-giving presence of God. Okay? As we meditate on Christ, as we, we spend time in prayer with Christ, we are putting our roots down deep into God himself. Right? He becomes the focal point of the law, of the teaching of God. Okay? And so that's where we need to be if we want to be happy. 
and you'd be rooted in Christ. Okay? Now, our second point of application here is, to, is I want to ask you, like, to be paying attention to what fruit you're bearing, okay? Because this is a really important, I think, way that we see God's presence in our life. And that's what the psalm is talking about. It's talking about bearing fruit. Remember we said that's the goal, that's the design of being rooted in Christ is for fruit to be born, okay? I'm not a botanist, but I think it's pretty safe for me to say that you can measure the health of a tree or any other type of plant, by, by the type of fruit coming out of it, or the flowers, or, or whatever else, right? That's how you can tell if a, if, a, if, a, if a plant is really healthy or not, and you can tell if it's not healthy because uh, nothing is coming out of it, right? Now, Paul in the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians, has a passage uh, that is, I think, strikingly similar. And I would be really surprised if I found out someday that Paul didn't have this passage in mind, kind of in the back of his, in the back of his head when he's writing this passage in the book of Galatians. Because okay? he talks about how the way that we know that we're healthy as Christians is by what fruit we bear. Okay? And he talks about like a specific type of fruit that we should be uh, looking for in our lives. Okay? Now, a couple comments before we, we jump into that. Right? Um, there are times where, where fruit is just not going to come in our lives in the way that we might hope. And that's, that's okay. That's not, that's not, this passage is not saying if in, in all moments you're not feeling uh, you know, hap- or goodness, right? that's one of the fruit of the Spirit that we're going to talk about, then you know, you're doing something wrong or you know, there's a major problem in your life. That's not what this passage is saying. Okay? Sometimes our roots have trouble stretching out to the water for whatever circumstance we're in. Right? Sometimes the sun is just beating down really hot on us as a plant and it's just hard to grow. Right? Sometimes there are animals or, or whatever that are kind of nibbling away at our fruit, right? trying to kind of keep the fruit from growing. Um, right? Situations affect us and will make uh, the presence of fruit in our lives hard to see sometimes. Okay? So I want to kind of throw that out there right? so that you're not struck with fear if we talk through this fruit of the Spirit. And I'm saying to you, like, fruit is a sign of health. And you're like, man, I feel like I struggle sometimes. I don't want you to, do, to despair if that's you. Okay? But I do also want to challenge you. If you don't care about bearing fruit, like, that's, that's something you should think about. You should ponder. You should go to, to God in. Okay? And that's the answer, right? Going to God. No matter where you're at, if, you're, if you are bearing fruit or if you feel like you're struggling to bear this fruit of, of Christ, right? Go to God. Because that is the way that you will bear fruit. So let's get into the passage where Paul talks about this. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay? If you notice... He says, walk by the Spirit, okay? We talked about walking in a certain way, right, back in the Psalms. That's how the psalmist is, uh, is kind of setting up what it looks like is to walk a certain way. Paul's picking up on that too, but he says we should walk by the Spirit. So the Spirit becomes um, the place that, like the thing that has replaced the law here, right? Walking by the Spirit, walking in this way is now, uh, is now what it looks like to live out this psalm. Okay? And to walk by the Spirit of Christ means to, to kind of bear the fruit of Christ. Now, Paul will skip a passage here in Galatians. He actually talks about kind of some negative fruit that you could bear, and, and we don't need to get into that today, but you can check it out if you want to. It's, it starts in verse 18, but we're going to skip to verses 22 to 23, where Paul talks about what the fruit of the Spirit actually is. Okay? And this is a very famous passage. Many of you have probably heard this or thought about this, but I want to spend some time talking about this, where Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit... So the fruit that we bear is we are tapped into God, is we are rooted deep into the gospel, uh, streams of water that, we're, that are flowing and ever flowing for us. This fruit that it looks like to be uh, rooted in that is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Now, notice that all of these, or almost all of these, have, like, it's, you can't do these without other people, right? You can't be faithful to any, anything unless there's, like, another person you're being faithful to. Um, you can't have patience, like, unless there's people you're being patient with, right? You can't have self-control unless you're showing self-control to that really annoying person, you know, at work, and you're trying to, like, just bear with them, right? You, you know, if you live alone, if you're living totally free without any attachments, you can't bear this fruit. That's kind of one of the hard parts. And, and we talk about love a lot in this culture. We love love in this culture, and that's a good thing. But I think sometimes what we mean when we say that is, is like, like a, like, a, like a kind of a lazy tolerance, right? Which is just like, I'm just going to leave people alone. I'm going to let them do whatever they want. And that means I love them, okay? That's not what this is talking about. Love, uh, the love that, that, that Paul is talking about here is a love that binds itself to others around us and seeks out their best interest and seeks to serve them, seeks to, uh, seeks to, to build them up, right? This type of love can only manifest in community, okay? And this will make you happy, because it is, it is the same type of love that Christ showed for us when he gave himself up for us on the cross, okay? That's the fruit, that's the type of love that we bear, fruit in our lives, is the same love of Christ who gave himself up for us, okay? That's like our, that's like our, our, our paradigm for what type of love that we should have for us. And if God does it, and if he delights in it, we will delight in it as well, Okay? Peace and gentleness. We will be people who strive for peace with others uh, rather than creating conflict. Um, patience, uh, forbearance, faithfulness, self-control, right? This, this might seem weird in the world of Amazon Prime and ramen noodles, but um, like waiting for things, right, will lead to happiness. It seems very counterintuitive to us, but, but the, the, the passage is saying that as we become people of patience and self-control and faithfulness, we will find true, true happiness in our lives. Okay? And finally, the, the one fruit here that specifically resonates with this idea of happiness is joy. Right? As we do these things, as we bear this fruit, we will be people who have joy in our lives. You will be much happier by binding yourself to God and others in love than you will be seeking out freedom for yourself and pushing others away. Even though that's tough, right? That's really hard. Okay? It's not fun. Fathers and mothers know that is true, right? As we're celebrating Father's Day, you know loving your kids is not always fun, but it leads to a deep joy, right? It leads to this deep, uh, overflowing joy um, to do that. So if you're looking for joy, for happiness, this is what the Bible says for you. It's to, to root yourself deep into Christ himself and to bear fruit in keeping with that, okay? So as, as we close here, I'm going to pray for us, um, but, but first we're going to spend some time uh, in communion. We always celebrate communion here every Sunday uh, where we, we spend time reflecting, like as we, as we take the bread um, and eat uh, the, or drink the cup, we reflect on Christ who gave himself up for us in delight, in love, and who made it possible for us to fulfill this law in our lives. Because we have to tap into him himself in order to be able to follow this law. Okay? So we remember Christ's sacrifice for us on the cross through taking communion every Sunday. Okay? So we invite anyone, even if you're a visitor, to come up and take this. We only ask that you uh, be a follower of Jesus. All right, so if you'd all, um, if you'd all pray with me as we close and then head into that time of communion and worship. God, we thank you that you have, have given us um, 
given us the route to true happiness. In, in a world where that matters so much and, and it's so easy to be unhappy, Lord, we, we thank you that you care about our happiness so much that you tell us what it looks like to live that out. And we, we thank you that you make it possible for us to find true happiness as we root ourselves deep in you and in your son, Lord. Help us to do that more and more each day and help us to bear fruit in keeping with that, God, um, because that fruit can only come uh, from you, God. I pray that you'd bless us as we go out and do that this day and as we worship you now, Lord, in response to to being rooted in you. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus.